The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. on Wall Street, and here is your top five at five. Stocks looking at another day of pressure. This is markets take another big hit on out-of-control inflation. Futures, they are down. Also taking a hit, crypto down big again. Bitcoin off nearly 2,000 Ether down 11% right now. You will not believe some of the money lost in this once hot sector. The Magic Kingdom also losing some of its sparkle. Disney lower as it warns of a rougher road ahead. Rivian just trying not to fall any further. Sales missing estimates as that stock is now down more than $150 a share from its high. And dethroned, Apple officially losing its title as the world's most valuable company tell you the name that just took over the top spot. It is Thursday, May 12th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and as always, welcome from wherever in the world that you may be joining us. I am Brian Sullivan. Good Thursday morning. Let us get right to it, folks, and look at those headlines. I know they were tough. Not a lot of good news out there, but we're glad you're here with us. It is what is happening, so let's jump right back in and check stock futures. They are down across the board. In fact, we are seeing NASDAQ futures down on a percentage basis, actually a nominal basis, more than the Dow. They're down 171. Dow futures down about 150. So looks like another rough day for stocks. Of course, on Wednesday, the markets tanked primarily on that inflation data, but also on the crypto sell-off. Sellers really bullied the markets down all afternoon. And it does look like that downward momentum will continue today, at least right now. On Wednesday, the Nasdaq lost another 3%. It is now down 27% this year and on pace for one of its worst years ever. The Dow falling for a fifth session in a row. And that is actually the second time that has happened this year. There is potentially one good sign if you are looking for a bottom, and that is bond yields. They are now also coming down. It means that the market is actually acting rationally. People are selling stocks and they're buying bonds. That's not what happened in the first four and a half months of the year. Right now, the 10-year bond is back to 2.83%. Not saying that we are at a bottom. That doesn't seem likely until we get a full capitulation. 10 to 1 down day, heavy volume, large gaps, end on lows, etc. But it is one sign. Anyway, trying to find a little bit of a silver lining. Now to oil and gas, both are lower as well right now. We're seeing crude oil down about 2%. But we got to get to what is maybe the market story right now, and that is crypto. It has been a washout for nearly every coin and crypto-related stock. Right now, all the major coins, they are down again. In fact, Bitcoin is down the least on a percentage basis. People clearly selling to raise cash. Bitcoin is down more than 40% this year. We are seeing Ether and the other major coins down 8, 9, 10, 12%. We'll get more on crypto and some of those hard-to-look-at numbers coming up in your morning RBI. All right, one of your morning's big money movers is Disney. The Dow component down on the back of quarterly numbers. It missed on both the top and the bottom lines. COVID closures taking a toll on parks in Asia. 
Disney did, though, report stronger than expected growth in its streaming subscriber numbers across all of its media platforms. Still, Disney is warning of a tougher road ahead. We will dive more into those results coming up. Disney stock is down nearly 5% right now. All right, let's go around the world because we have read across the board in Asia overnight in the back of our losses here. The Nikkei and the Hang Seng seeing the steepest losses in the region down 2% or more each. And in Europe, again, kind of a similar story with a lot of red on the board there. Let's get more on your live trade. Some of the key headlines, Juliana Tatelbaum is in London with that. Juliana, good morning, I think. Brian, good morning. Well, depends how you're positioned, I suppose. We do have red across the board here in Europe, but I think it is important to put this into context. Yesterday, European markets actually ended higher. It's third day of outperformance versus the U.S. The stock 600, the main benchmark here, ended about 1.7% higher. So what we're seeing here is a little bit of a catch-up trade because we didn't see the heavy selling that you saw on Wall Street yesterday. Nevertheless, there are some sizable moves lower. FTSE 100 down about 2 and a quarter percent. We got some relatively downbeat data out of the UK this morning. UK GDP contracted in March. That was unexpected. Uh, the CAC 40 over in France also suffering some pretty heavy selling down about 2.3 percent. The German market also down about 2.3 percent. So pretty broad based sell off. Investors taking risk off the table, it seems. From a sector perspective, this is what the split looks like. It is red across the board as well. From a sector perspective, telecoms holding up best. We're down just about half a percent. So uh, pretty resilient performance there. We have a couple idiosyncratic stories propping up a couple stocks. BT in particular, Vodafone performing well this morning. On the downside, Basic Resources is the real underperformer and arguably the most cyclical of the bunch. Basic Resources down about 4.4%. Alongside it, autos and travel and leisure also underperforming. Again, investors seem to be taking money out of cyclicals and putting it into more defensive stocks this morning, Brian. Yeah, big losses across the board here in nearly every group. Gianna, thank you very much. All right, now to some of this morning's top business headlines, including apparent cutbacks at Facebook's parent company. Silvana Hanau is here now with that and more. Good morning, Silvana. Brian, good morning. Yeah, so Meta Platforms reportedly plans to make cuts in its Reality Labs division. According to Reuters, the company's chief technology officer told employees in the division it could no longer afford to do some projects anymore and would have to postpone others without specifying which projects would be impacted. Reuters adds that layoffs are not planned. The division is center in Meta's strategy to refocus on hardware products and the metaverse. The report comes after the company told investors last month it would scale back costs this year. The Senate overwhelmingly voting to confirm Philip Jefferson to the Federal Reserve's board. The chamber approving Jefferson, an economist and dean of faculty at Davidson College, and a 91 to 7 vote. He becomes the fourth black man to become a governor at the central bank. And shares of Lordstown Motors are surging this morning after announcing it has struck a $230 million deal to sell its Ohio factory to Foxconn. The deal for the facility, a former GM factory, is seen as a critical lifeline for the cash-strapped Lordstown as it works to complete development of its endurance truck. The deal is expected to close next week. And Brian Foxconn says it plans to use the factory to build EVs for clients, including the aforementioned Lordstown truck and a new low-cost model for Fisker. Yeah, imagine that. Your stock is popping because you're selling off your most valuable asset. <laughs> exactly. Not a good sign. Exactly. Savannah, thank you. You got it, Brian. Right there on the right there on I-80 out of Warren, Ohio. All right, let's get right now to the markets and your money with one of our favorite guests who has been 
Managing money through many different economic cycles, upturns, downturns, etc. And he says that right now is one of the most difficult times he has seen since the financial crisis. Dan Vru of Palisade Capital is here now with us. Dan, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for getting up early. I know it's a tough time. Your clients are likely nervous. What are you telling them? What is what is your rationale for what is happening right now? Good morning, Brian. Uh, well, from the way uh, I see it, this is all all the inflationary pressures or at least a significant portion of them are really tied to supply chain disruptions. And I think we're learning more that there's even supply chain disruptions out of Ukraine as some critical auto parts uh, come out of uh, that region as well in addition to the problems in China right now. My sense is that this is going to be a process uh, unlike 2020, uh, which was very much V-shaped from huge amounts of liquidity placed. This is going to be a longer, tedious process. But we're going to get through this. Uh, you know, I would expect that markets are oversold now because of how broadened out the selling has become. And as we get, you know, so I would expect that at least in the near term, we're probably setting up for a, a substantial bounce at some point of probably five to seven or eight uh, percent. But then again, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid as we get further into the summer period, later into the summer, the election is going to be on a lot of people's minds, but regardless of where yeah. you sit on the political spectrum, it's change. And with change comes uncertainty. So that could be the final leg. But I would expect by then many of the supply chain disruptions that we've had so far will begin to uh, you know, resolve themselves. And it gives the Federal Reserve some leeway in terms of the pace of not only the interest rate increases, but also the reduction in the Fed's balance sheet through quantitative tightening. I said earlier in the show, maybe trying to find some kind of bright spot, because I know, listen, stocks are just another form of money. So people are losing money. It's emotional. It's a bit scary yeah. that there was a rationality and that the bond market was actually being bought for most of the year. We saw bonds and stocks being sold off. First time that's happened since 1994. What do you look for, Dan, for signs of an ultimate bottom? Do we need that heavy washout 10 to 1 just awful, painful day that we, to be honest, as bad as it's been, have not yet had. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's exactly what you need. But I am heartened a little bit. You make an excellent observation that the markets are functioning better. Uh, if you think about it, if you had a 60-40 uh, portfolio, your 60 went down, but so did your 40 this year. Uh, which is supposed to be the ballast, the 40% you got from fixed income, you've lost money there too. The, the, uh, the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index is down almost as much as equities are down this year, something we have rarely seen uh, in, in the past. And, and a lot of that is just reversing a lot of the liquidity, extraordinary liquidity trends that we saw over the last 18 months to two years. Yeah, very quickly, you're still betting on a name like Centene. Listen, we want to buy low. For long, long-term investors, you want to pay less for good companies. Do we not? We forget that. It's easy to forget it in a red, in a red tape like this. Be overweight profitability. Centene's an extremely profitable managed care company. I just want to say, unfortunately, the company lost its longtime chairman and CEO, Michael Nydorf, about a month ago. I want to send... Uh, condolences to his wife, Noemi, and son, Peter. Uh, but, you know, one of his greatest legacies is the extraordinarily talented management team uh, he left in its place. This is a $150 billion 
Medicaid managed care company trading at a mid-teens, price earnings multiple, huge free cash flow, very, very profitable business uh, with an improving outlook despite the economic landscape right now. Those are the kinds of companies you want to identify. The stock's flat for the year. It's outperformed massively. And I expect when uh, markets settle down, this is going to be a big outperformer this year. All right. Dan Vrew with a steady hand, calm words at a time when we need it. Dan, we appreciate your views. Thanks for getting up early. Have a great day. Take care. Thanks, bro. All right. When we come back here on Worldwide Exchange, you're very welcome. Some of your morning's big money movers, including why investors are showing no appetite for Beyond Meat. That stock down dramatically, losing nearly a quarter of its value right now. A slightly different story for Rivian. Shares trying to hold steady this morning despite a big sales miss. We'll dive into the EV maker's latest results with Wedbush's Dan Ives. That stock has lost 150 bucks a share from its highs. And it's the U.S. government versus Elon Musk. Again, more regulatory scrutiny over his stake in Twitter. Hey, what's going on when we come back right after this? Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy ready to be a part of it? Extra, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back. Time now for some of your big money movers. And I guess inflation is hitting everywhere, apparently, because this morning we have four stock stories for you, not three like we normally do. Stock number one is Coinbase. Sorry to say the shares continue to bleed money after a 26% drop Wednesday. That was following the once high flyers government filing with the SEC detailing potential risk factors with investors' assets in the event of a bankruptcy, although the CEO says that is not likely to happen. Crypto prices have tanked this week, as have crypto-related stocks. We will get more on that ahead. Stock number two is Bumble, first quarter profit and revenue beating forecasts on a rise in paying members for its dating service. Downloads in the U.S. jumped 20% of the quarter and monthly average users rose nearly 14%. Stock number three, ouch, Beyond Meat, totally grilled right now, down more than 24%. And Beyond Meat is now trading below the company's IPO price. It posted its first quarterly loss or one rather that was not first, but much wider than expected. Like I said, Beyond Meat down 24%. And this last one is a biggie. SoftBank, the Japanese investment firm reporting the biggest annual loss in its 40-year history. It lost $13.2 billion as bad bets it made in stocks have taken a big toll. SoftBank runs the $100 billion vision fund and the publicly listed stocks in that like Uber, DoorDash, Alibaba and more have dropped by more than half their value this year. SoftBank 
run by Masayoshi's son. It's getting absolutely torched as well this morning. Well, speaking of bad bets, let's turn now to Rivian. Now, that stock is treading water this morning. It's actually up a tiny bit, about 2%. But this after it's come down more than $150 per share or more than 80% from its intraday highs of just late last year. This even as orders for its electric pickups and SUVs did remain strong. So where does this once hot EV maker go from here? Joining us now is Wedbush's Securities Managing Director, Dan Ives. Dan, great to have you on. It feels like a contradiction from what I heard and what I read. I didn't listen in on the conference call, but I read about some of the highlights afterwards. Orders have remained pretty strong, not just from retail customers, but also from Amazon on the electric truck side as well. It looks like they are seeing strong demand for the product itself. So what do you think is the problem with the equity? Look, I think the biggest problem is since the IPO, you know, this has essentially been a train wreck. Uh, you know, and I think, look, I think a big part of that has really been the communication from management. I think the ability to control the supply chain, some out of their hands, but ultimately I think investors just do not have confidence that they've been able to navigate. You know, and then ultimately the price increase and they took back the price increase. Look, it's just been a comedy of errors. It feels like they're slowly moving around the corner in the right direction. Demand's there. Reservations is yeah. 90000 but of course, it's a different market, and this is a penalty box stock right now. I did a panel with GM CEO Mary Barr at the Milken Conference about a week and a half ago, and she said something that is really stuck in my mind. And she said she wasn't knocking Rivian, but she was saying companies like Rivian, these startup sort of out of the blue EV companies are learning something that she has known for years, and that is manufacturing cars and trucks is hard. It is hard work. Supply chains are tough. It is difficult. Do you think that Rivian is going to get through this? And I don't ask that question lightly. Look, I think they're going to get through, which is ultimately why, you know, I believe here it, the, the risk reward is still there positive. But I think what Mary said is true. I think a lot of these companies, they underestimated the supply chain. Doing it on a whiteboard and in actuality are two different things. And I think when you look at Rivian, it, it, look, ultimately it's been a black eye for the EV sector. And I think for a lot of new companies coming out, especially just given, I mean, the, the amount of money that they had from Amazon, this wasn't just any startup. It was really viewed as in that golden child. And, it, you know, it's really, look, it's been a nightmare story, uh, you know, for any investor that's focused on it. So where does the stock go from here, Dan? What do we do if we own Rivian, maybe bought it right after the IPO? It was 176 bucks a share at one point. Maybe people are still just kind of hanging on and hoping. Uh, what do they do? Look, I think in these types of markets, you got to look who are going to be the ones standing at the end, the winners. They're cash right now. They have enough cash to sort of get to the point where the, the demand story will kick in. Enterprise value right now, when you think out the cash, is essentially sounding as zero. You know, I believe this is one. $30 is probably the next stop in terms of the stock. You know, the demand stories there, management starting to turn the corner, risk-reward. I wouldn't be selling it here. I'd be owning it. You look for who are going to be the winners on the other side of the carnage. And as much of a disaster as this has been, it feels like just given the risk-reward and what they can do, you know, it, it, it's hard not to be bullish here. 
Dan Ives of Wedbush giving us a little hope for Rivian. That stock is actually one of the few that's in the green right now, though hard to make much of that given the big decline. Still, we're looking for anything we can. Dan Ives of Wedbush, good to have you on, Dan. Thank you very much. Thanks. All right, still on deck. As stock futures continue to fall, the dramatic drop in Kathy Wood's flagship ETF, the former investment favorite, continues to fall out of favor and is down again this morning. So grab another cup of coffee at that treadmill. The sun is coming up. We promise. And we're back right after this here on CNBC. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. That, that's our legacy. Ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. All right, welcome back. Let's get a check down on some of this morning's top headlines outside of the world of money and business, including some terrible fires ravaging one of California's richest areas. NBC's France Rivera is in New York with that and more. Good morning, Francis. Brian, good morning. Yeah, those pictures are devastating. We'll share them in a second. But for now, Russia's war in Ukraine is in its 78th day. Ukrainian forces are reportedly gaining back some ground, pushing Russian forces out of areas near Kharkiv. But the Kremlin's troops are still advancing in the east. Meanwhile, just hours ago, Finland leaders announced their support for joining NATO. The country will start the membership process in the coming days. Now to that shocking destruction in Southern California, multi-million dollar mansions engulfed in flames after after an aggressive fire tore through the Laguna Hills. Overnight, the Orange County fire chief estimated that at least 20 homes had been affected, but that number has likely climbed thanks to the fast winds fueling the inferno. Fortunately, there have been no reports of firefighters or residents being injured. The Rock made history at Christie's, and no, we're not talking about Dwayne Johnson. The largest white diamond to be auctioned was sold to an anonymous buyer for nearly $22 million. The 228-carat gem was originally expected to go for $30 million at the Magnificent Jewels event in Geneva. It is considered one of the rarest stones in the world, Brian. I don't know if a display case on a mantle will do that thing justice, but I, I don't know. Are you going to wear it? I guess it's not going to fit on your hands. <laughs> We're talking about a belt buckle, maybe, for that, for that rock. A belt buckle. Now, that would be something to see. Are you from Texas? Is this like a secret it Texas is, thing, Francis? It doesn't matter. Where are you going to wear it? You know, it's, it's, it's a two-honker of a necklace. It can't fit on your finger. That's the only place you can wear a badge. You know maybe. what you do? How about if that? you own that, you, like, you just walk around to people. You're, you walk around to people, you're like, hey, look at this. And they're like, that's not real. And you're like, no, it's not real. It's fake. And you <laughs> yeah, just shock them. That's what you do. That's it. If you own that, that's it. Paper, <laughs> keep it on your desk. If you can afford that, you keep it on your yacht. Francis, thank you very much. Keep it sure safe. Thing. Offshore. All right. 
Still on deck. We've got a lot more to do on this very busy, what is it, Thursday? Yeah, feels like day eight of the week. More on the crypto collapse. Bitcoin and others, look at that. They are down big again. Bitcoin off 5%, and that is the least of it. you got Ether, XRP, others all down 10, 15, 20%. We'll get a look at what is fueling more selling and where, if any, the bottom may be. And just a gentle nudge, if you haven't already, be sure to follow our podcast on all the available podcasting platforms. We're back right after this. It could be another rough day for stocks and your money futures. They are down again as recession fears rock the markets. It is not just stocks. Crypto crushed. Bitcoin now below 28,000. Staggering stats on just how much money is being lost. And Disney not looking so magical. The Dow component falling again as it warns of a tougher road ahead. It is all happening on this busy Thursday, March 12th. And this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome and welcome back, everybody. It's about 5.30 here on the East Coast. And listen, I know most of these headlines are hard to hear. Stocks are just another form of money. It's emotional. It's tough. But we are glad that you're with us and to ride it through. And by the way, we will get through it. Markets will reset their valuations from time to time. And that is exactly what we're doing right now. The sun will come up. Markets will go up again at some point. But right now, we know it is tough. Speaking of the markets, here's a look at where we stand right now. In futures, they are down once again. The market's clearly trying to find a bottom. And wherever that may be, it does not appear that it is here right now. Dow futures down 194. NASDAQ futures off more on a percentage basis once again. Of course, big tech has been bearing the brunt of the losses. The Dow is now on its second five-day losing streak of the year. And the NASDAQ is now down 27% this year. It's on pace for one of, not the, but one of, its worst years ever. Long way to go, of course, in 2022. A lot of things can change. But right now, one of the, I think, sixth biggest loss, my memory serves me correctly, on the NASDAQ if we ended the year right here. Now, one reason that stocks are selling off is crypto. It has been a washout lately for nearly every major coin, commodity, and crypto-related stock. And right now, all the major coins, they are down once again. Bitcoin down the least, off about 6%. Many others down double digits. Bitcoin is down more than 40% this year. And we're going to get more on crypto coming up in your RBI and with a guest in moments. We also need to take a live look at the ARK, the ARK Innovation ETF. It is down once again, off a few percent. It fell 10% yesterday and is now $36 a share. It was $160 less than one year ago. Wow. Another stock seeing a big drop on Wednesday, but not getting a lot of attention is Dish Network. Dish Network actually fell 19% yesterday. The satellite TV network hosting its first investor day in more than 10 years. Dish making a big bet on offering private 5G networks as a service, as it calls we're going to have to see if that pays off down the road. But investors clearly underwhelmed by what they heard at that investor day on Wednesday. Also happening now, the SEC is reportedly probing Elon Musk. At issue is why he failed to notify the agency within 10 days of buying a 5% or more stake in Twitter. The journal also reports the FTC is investigating Musk over whether he violated a law that requires reporting certain large transactions to antitrust enforcement agencies. Meantime, online grocery delivery platform Instacart has filed for an IPO. That company was valued at $39 billion in the private markets in March of 2021. But in March of this year, it slashed that valuation by about 40% to $24 billion. 
citing the tech stock sell-off. And Apple is no longer the world's most valuable company. That title now belongs to oil giant Saudi Aramco. Apple shares now down almost 20% from their January peak. In the meantime, shares of Aramco up more than 27% so far this year. Aramco's market cap, now slightly larger than Apple, kind of defines the year, doesn't it? Well, Apple, of course, is a member of the Dow, so let's stay on that index because Disney is also a member. Although it is only the 23rd highest weighted stock in the index, Disney does matter. And right now, shares of Disney are down more than 5% following earnings. This after their numbers crossed last night, EPS coming in nine cents below the consensus forecast. The number of streaming video customers for Disney Plus was better than expected, and the park's business rebounded. However, the CFO warning streaming growth could slow in the second half of the year, and Disney investors hoping for better times ahead. That stock is down 34% before this morning this year. Let's tie it all together with Jonathan Keyes, senior analyst at Daiwa Capital Markets. Uh, Jonathan, good morning. Uh, on the surface, the numbers weren't terrible. So what do you think is happening with Disney stock right now? Mark, thank you for having me. Yes, uh, on the surface, it give, you get one message. Uh, the stock, however, is reflecting a difference. Uh, if you um, look at their the parks, if you look at their box office, if you look at um, even their uh, streaming, they're streaming great. The economy is going well. People are going to the parks. People are going to the movie theaters. See the, the uh, box office hits. People are going to um, uh, uh, people are going uh, to the uh, uh, sign up for st- streaming for their Disney Plus. So uh, yeah. there's uh, a lot that you could say in terms of what's going on. I think there's a lot uh, that's sector risk. Disney's gone down with um, its compatriots. There was especially a big hit uh, when Netflix had reported their March uh, their March quarter and reported a subscriber loss of two hundred thousand, and a lot of investors had concerns that Disney, with Disney Plus along with its, its other streaming peers, would also uh, self, uh, suffer similar fate yeah. with a subscriber loss. So, but if you did, yeah, and then down- Jonathan, Jonathan, the overall market. Let me jump in here for a second. The overall market appears, and I tweeted this out last night, is re-rating for a recession. What I mean by that is, the market for for, for Wall Street, the recession is already here. I know it sounds weird because all the numbers are good, but for Wall Street, the bond market, the recession has already come. They are repricing everything. The amazing thing about Disney is that even with that 34 or 38% drop, whatever it's going to be after today, the P.E. ratio and some other valuation metrics are the same or actually higher than they were at the beginning of the year. At what point does Disney become too cheap to not buy? Well, you know, that's uh, that's where you're asking, when does this market bottom? Because it's, it's dropping in in parallel with uh, with the peers, with the market. So uh, it, I would say that it has gotten a lot cheaper, uh, both on a, a PE basis, on a, a DCF basis, on a sum of parts is how we evaluate it. Uh, in terms of um, how much cheaper, it's below its, its um, uh, five-year average in terms of multiples. It's below uh, our target price of um, uh, $200. And yeah, it it is a you would say a value play even because um, 
this is an iconic name. This is a name that will get through this recession that the Wall Street is pricing, uh, that the street is pricing, and then come back out the other side stronger uh, and uh, it, it stand out in terms of, of its uh, sector. So it's um, – go ahead. No, I was just going to say, Jonathan, it certainly has been a, a tough run here. Very quickly, is the CEO Bob Chapek, is his job on the line? There's certainly a, a lot of controversy in terms of uh, some of the stuff that's happened you know, with the Florida uh, uh, political issue, yeah. uh, with uh, some of the um, uh, other issues in regards to uh, the fo- uh, strategic focus. I don't think so. He still has support of the board. Uh, he, uh, it's If you look at the numbers, if you dig deeper into the numbers, you'd see there's subscriber numbers, Disney Plus numbers were uh, were. Strong. In fact, they were the best in class. They beat. They were. Uh, they beat all the other peers uh, with a yeah. uh, gain of seven point eight million for the quarter. It was better than um, Paramount Plus, Warner Media, and definitely, uh, definitely Netflix's subscriber loss. So I think he still has some yeah. um, some length. He's an insider uh, that uh, that was promoted to get this job. Uh, he knows everybody. I think there's still some time now. Uh, I think he's more of a quiet yeah. guy, behind the scenes guy. So uh, I, well, I he's think gonna, so. he's going to have to come out. And, he's going to Jonathan have to come out and speak up and get in front of the scenes because the chief comms officer got pushed out after three months. A guy I knew well, Jeff Burrell, who's a former head of BP's communication team in the U.S. Jonathan Keys of Daiwa, appreciate your insight. Thank you very much. All right, Thank coming you. up, we're going to get more on crypto's big fall. Bitcoin back below twenty-seven thousand this morning. Ether down eleven percent. What exactly is going on here? We're going to dig in next. Time now for today's most random but interesting thing, CNBC style. And today it has to be on, what else, crypto. Because if you missed it or maybe just were afraid to look, Wednesday was one of the most painful days for crypto investors in a long, long time. It primarily happened because of liquidity concerns around a huge so-called stablecoin provider known as Terra and its two main products, Luna and UST. Now, if this sounds confusing, it is. The lingo is also new to many non-crypto experts, but including myself, by the way, but basically it's this. Stablecoins are essentially meant to be the crypto equivalents of a bank account, kind of a boring but safe place to keep cash. And those are meant to be tied to the U.S. dollar. Well, those ties have come unraveled in just a few days. Both so-called stable coins have certainly looked anything but wiping out most of their value. Now, this has caused another hit on confidence across the crypto spectrum, as well as a likely need to raise cash, which results in selling of other assets. In other words, you sell what you can. And the selling has been brutal, first to the coins themselves. Here are the losses just this week. And keep in mind, I wrote this last night, so these numbers are going to be bigger as of this morning's losses. Bitcoin's down 18%. Now, it's actually held up the best. Ether down 21% this week. Litecoin and XRP down about 30%. That is just since Monday. And it has been even worse for the crypto stock investors. In fact, it has been a total disaster. And trust me, I do not use that word lightly. Look at these moves and many well-known names from their all-time highs. Galaxy Digital, down 81%. MicroStrategy, also down 81%. That's a stock heavily levered to crypto. Coinbase, it's lost 85% from its all-time high. And Grayscale Horizon and Backed Holdings, 
two former darlings of crypto that were being talked about as being some of the biggest companies in the world just a few months ago are down almost 100% from their all-time highs. Keep in mind, many of those losses have come down just that much since early November. Almost all those stocks hit their all-time highs on like November 9th. So in six months, wiping out 80, 90, or 95% of investor value. That is something that we have not seen since the 2001 internet crash, or maybe some of the super leveraged Morgan lenders back in 2008. Either way, it is real, it is painful, it is probably a bit scary. And it's going to be crazy to watch how all this plays out over the next few days, weeks, and months. Random and hopefully interesting. All right, joining us now on this and more is Juthika Chu, head of OTC options trading at Global Digital Asset Platform. Kraken, Juthika, I'm sure you're, you're working 24-7 these days trying to answer questions in sort of layman's terms. Can you explain to our audience, it is early, people are just waking up, what the hell is going on? Well, I think in crypto right now, we're seeing the confluence of a number of factors. And so it's not just specific to crypto idiosyncratic factors, but the global markets as well. And dating back to last week, um, on Wednesday, we had that knee-jerk reaction from the Fed and Bitcoin went up to 39K. And then Thursday, when the Nasdaq sold off 5%, that's really what kick-started this um, crypto crash in a lot of ways. Some of the issues that were outstanding with Terra, with this algorithmic stablecoin that you talked about, have been outstanding in crypto for a while. But as soon as the confidence and sentiment erodes, you get the equivalent of almost a run on the bank um, because this particular stablecoin is not fully backed by dollars. And so when you get a bank run, um, the prices can go down very, very quickly. And so we've had that play out over the course of the week, coupled with what's happening in the macro backdrop. And overall, I think those two have led to a very volatile rundown in prices. Is there any sign that things that are turning right now, Jethika, or is this really kind of a sell what you can, fire sale, you know, people were leveraged, meaning they borrowed money in some cases, or borrowed against other assets to buy some of this stuff, and as it's falling, they are forced to sell. Do you, do you sense there could be a washout soon? Well, I think there's, there, from what we've seen on the OTC desk, there hasn't been as much leverage as in prior cycles. And so even when we saw spot selling on the way down, it was actually selling of spot positions, um, some funds that were exposed to the broader markets. And I think in general, again, at a macro level, cash is king when you get some of these highly correlated moves down. Uh, but at the point we're at now, you know, Bitcoin volatility is now back up to 120. Just a couple weeks ago, it was comfortably at 60. And so I think that means that we're in for a little bit of a volatile environment. We're not just going to um, kind of sit here and flatten out fairly quickly. I think we're in for some large moves to come. Yeah. And, and is there some catalyst on the horizon, Jethika, that you can see that will make that turn? And to be fair, and I want to remind our audience of this, Bitcoin has had a number of 70 plus percent drops going back all the way to 2010. It's fallen more than 70 percent from peak to trough. I think it is four or five times. So to own these assets, and tell me if this is a fair statement, you have to have, shall we say, intestinal fortitude at some time. 
Definitely. And as you said, I mean, you know, I've been through a number of cycles, um, very volatile cycles, ups and downs. And so it, it is a volatile asset. You have to be comfortable with those fluctuations, have a long enough uh, time horizon to be able to withstand them and obviously not have leverage in the process so that you don't get wiped out. I would say, you know, what's different this time as compared to prior like drawdowns is that in previous cycles, let's say 2015, 16, and even 2018, 19, when Bitcoin had these large drawdowns, institutions just completely left the space. They didn't care about it. They didn't talk about it. They just focused on other assets where they wanted to be invested. This time, what we're seeing is institutions might be on the sideline, but they're still very interested and they're just waiting for the right opportunity, the right price levels for them to start dipping their toes. And I think once that starts, then we'll start to see um, others come into the space. And I think that'll be the catalyst in a lot of ways that just uh, brings volatility down and reassures price action a little bit. Well, some reassuring words there, Jethika Chu of Kraken. Let's hope uh, all this positive talk down the road does pay off because it is certainly a scary time. Jethika, thank you very much and have a good day. All right, on deck, one sign investors are not betting on further downside for the markets. Trying to find a silver lining here, RBC's Amy Wu Silverman will join us with her take coming up. But first, during May, we are celebrating Asian American Pacific Islander heritage and featuring some of our CBC teammates and contributors. Here's Wall Street Journal reporter Gunjan Banerjee. One thing that both my mom and my dad really emphasized while I was growing up was education. I know that was one of the big reasons that they moved to America was to give me and my sister access to the best education possible. And I watched them, you know, while I was growing up, move to a totally new country, not knowing the language, not knowing anyone, and kind of having to build up their lives from scratch. And I've carried those lessons with me throughout my life. All right. Welcome back and good morning. Stock futures, they are down. We'll see if these things can maybe turn things around. Here's your morning menu. You got the morning jobless claims number out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. Also, the producer price index. That's more the industrial measure of inflation. We'll see if that runs hot. 10 a.m. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen will testify before the House Financial Services Committee. See what she's got to say. All right. Let's get more on your trading day ahead and bring in Amy Wu Silverman. RBC Capital Markets have a derivative strategy. Amy, good morning. Uh, in the options market, and I don't want to get too in the weeds at 5.50 in the morning, but actually maybe it is a good time to get in the weeds. When you look at things like the difference between, between uh, volatility, vol, VIX vol, equity vol, some of the mechanics of the options markets that are confusing to 99.5% of the population, uh, but matter a lot to the underlying market mechanism, are you seeing things get better? So the short answer is yes, uh, and, and you're right. There's a lot of market mechanics. I would say the one key questions investors have for us right now is they really feel the market is moving a lot. So why isn't the VIX moving more? And the short answer to that is one, because a lot of investors have taken their ball and gone home. They've degrossed the risk, and that's why they're not adding to hedges. But two, the VIX is already at such a high level. It's essentially pricing in the magnitude of the swings that we are, in fact, seeing. Yeah, and what's so that's good news, and we need it at, <laughs> after what's been going on, Amy. Uh, but you sounded just a, a bit reticent as well. What do you need to see happen in the options market for you to say, all right, guys, that's the all clear? 
Yeah, look, I think we are we are far from there. So right now, you know, our headline VIX number, so so what essentially we think the swings in the S&P will be for the next month is still about plus or minus 2% per day, which translates into about a 34 in the VIX. That's really high. You know, it's actually so high that we put it in its own regime. We call it the high volatility regime. And remember, we spent most of 2021 and 2022 in a VIX regime at 20 or below. So we did have spikes, but we've never had volatility this persistently high. And the issue with that for equity participants is the whipsaw is not good, right? It makes it very hard, makes things very uninvestable relative to a VIX at 20. So, you know, I think we need to see these volatile levels drop to a point where people feel like they can invest without that whipsaw happening as soon as they do. Yeah. And and is there some major catalyst out there? And I asked this of, of Jethika on crypto earlier, but I think it's important. Some major catalyst out there for you, Amy, that you are watching? Is it the next Fed meeting? Is it some earnings? Is it something else? Or is it just going to be Really kind of a crazy time until the markets through either force selling, liquidation, all the weak hands pushed out until that eventually happens, wherever that may be. Yeah, unfortunately, it's it's either going to be the full out capitulation, which which I don't think we've seen yet, uh, or it's going to be some resolution of something pretty major. So, you know, we know that can't be the Fed in the sense that it's going to take them time to get to the neutral rate. But, you know, it could potentially come from something that would surprise you, like, you know, a earlier resolution to the Ukraine situation, uh, which I don't think anyone has priced in. But look, it, it's interesting because at these levels, one thing we were speaking of with our team and clients yesterday is at this point, what is the pain trade? If it really is true that people have degrossed and de-risked, there's a lot of sideline money, you know, could the pain trade be to the upside? If we suddenly get something that's a tail event, but an upside tail event, then what in reality you have is maybe a scramble to jump back into the pool. And in that case, you may see volatility rise, but you may see markets rise as well. Yeah, crazy time right now, Amy Silverman. And before we let you go, what is the number one question you're getting from clients right now? You know, uh, I think people when they see markets this low, volatility so high, and and at a place where you know yields are rising but they're not really that high yet, people are asking if it's time to sell volatility. Uh, and I would say, you know, probably not in terms of the cohort of things that people have looked at. But in some pockets of really high quality valuation, high cash flow stocks, you know, where there's very low leverage, you know, perhaps it is time because then you can use that to commit to own the stock at lower levels and get very, very attractive levels of yield that you're still not seeing elsewhere in the market. Amy Wu Silverman, always appreciate your insight. Really a scary time for a lot of people. The markets, ultimately stocks, everything else is just another form of money. And it's emotional and it's scary. And we appreciate you coming on. Amy Wu Silverman, thank, thank you. you very much. All right, folks, that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. We're going to be back at 23 hours. Again, we are seeing futures down across the board. Crypto is down. I know it's tough, but things will eventually find a bottom. And by the way, tomorrow, We've got your exclusive insider buying segment. It is back. What CEOs are placing the biggest bets on their own stocks? Maybe a sign they see a bottom in those names. You'll only see that here on this hour. We'll have it for you tomorrow. Look forward to seeing you. Have a great day. Squawk is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only 
on CNBC. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com.